Superstation, the future radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Monday, February 15th, 2021, and we are live. Hope everybody's doing well today. So it's been a very busy day. We're halfway through African American History Month. Uh, I'm doing presentations, uh, preparing for presentations, have an online class that I'm teaching on Tuesday nights as well. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. And uh, today we're going to be joined by cultural anthropologist, Sister Nubia Wartford, who um, is going to be speaking in my class on Tuesday. And she does archaeological digs in Sudan. And you've heard her on the African History Network show before. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the origins of ancient Kush and uh, the African queens of antiquity, the origins of ancient Kush and African queens of antiquity. Um, so we're going to have her on uh, here in a few minutes and deal with some African history, some ancient African history, talk some about her uh, archaeological digs, etc. She's an African-American uh, female archaeologist. And oftentimes when you watch uh the History Channel, or you look at National Geographic, things like that, you don't see African-American female archaeologists. Okay, so I've had her here on the show a number of times. Uh, even going back to Blog Talk Radio days, I've had her on the African History Network show. So uh, we'll discuss that. And then uh, there was a discovery in uh, Egypt, and the news came out a couple of days ago about a ancient beer factory unearthed by archaeologists in Egypt. Now, many of you uh, heard about this. We posted about this on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network. Uh, actually, the news came out uh, from the Associated Press on uh, Tuesday, uh, on, on Sunday, February 14th. Actually, February 14th, Valentine's Day, which is also the uh, birth date of the assumed birth date of um, Frederick Douglass, okay, February 14th. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that as well. And uh, as I said before, these archaeological discoveries um, happen all the time, okay? And you, you, you hear about them um, every month. These archaeological discoveries are, are taking place. And you'll read about them in National Geographic. You'll see articles from NBC News, Washington Post, New York Times, Associated Press. I see their articles. Um, ancient beer factory unearthed by archaeologists in Egypt. American and Egyptian archaeologists have unearthed what could be the oldest known beer factory at one at one of the most prominent at one of the most prominent archaeological sites of ancient Egypt. A top antiquities, uh, a top antiquities official said on Saturday, Saturday, uh, February 13th. So we'll discuss that archaeological discovery as well. Uh, and then we know that we, we didn't get a chance to talk about it on our Sunday show. But uh, we know that uh, on Saturday, the U.S. Senate uh, acquitted Donald Trump. You have 43 traitorous. Republicans who were too cowardly to uh, convict Trump, okay, even though they know he was guilty. 
So we'll talk a little bit about that in the last segment of the show. Trump acquitted an impeachment trial by spineless Republicans. It was 57 uh, that voted to convict him. Uh, the most, it was the most number that voted to convict the president in uh, U.S. history. And it was the most bipartisan uh, impeachment vote also in U.S. history. So we'll discuss that as well. Okay. All right. Now, uh, so on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now it's correct wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you control the circumference of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now we deal with a number of different topics here. On the African History Network show, we deal with current events in history, politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, love, sex, health issues, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828. Sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828. Sign up for our email newsletter. Also, uh, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, and uh, sign up for our email newsletter there as well, okay? Uh, if you'd like this type of information, also, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN Show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN Show through Cash App, also through PayPal, uh, paypal.me forward slash the AHN Show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN Show. All right. So uh, my, you, you can still register for the online course that I teach, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, where they didn't teach you in school. We deal with thousands of years of history. And we deal with what led up to the transatlantic slave trade happening, okay? Um, it is, and, you know, when we, deal with the when we deal with the transatlantic slave trade, we can't start our history in slavery, we can't start in the mid 15th century. We can't start with uh, the Portuguese going into Mauritania in 1441. We can't start with 1619 in uh, Virginia. Uh, we have to deal with thousands of years of history leading up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. And we have to deal with the 800 year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors. There's the Moors when they go in the 8th century AD, going in 711. AD, they're taking the teachings from ancient Kim and ancient Egypt, from the Nile Valley region of Africa into Europe. And these teachers are going to bring Europe uh, out of the Dark Ages. We know in uh, 2019, that was the 400th year anniversary of August 20th, 1619. And a lot of people were reconnecting uh, to Africa. And uh, it was known as the year of return. Okay. So, but we have to understand hundreds of years of history and thousands of years, thousands of years of history that led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. So you can visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register for the online course. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you can watch from around the world. We do the sessions live on um, Wednesday. Oh, we do the sessions live on Tuesdays, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm sorry, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm on the air at 11 p.m. 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then 
uh, all the sessions are recorded also, so you can go back and watch it over and over again. All right, watch from around the world. So it's regularly $130 on sale, $80. You can register right now, uh, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, or click on the link um, that we just posted right here on the thread of the broadcast. As soon as you register, you can watch a class from February 9th, and there's also bonus content, and I'm adding more bonus content as well. Uh, I talked to Dr. David M. Hotel, author of the book, The First Americans Were Africans, Documented Evidence, and uh, I talked to him on Saturday, okay? This book here. Talked to him on Saturday. I said, when's your new book coming out? First Americans were Africans revisited. He said by the end of March 2021, the new book will be out. And he's going to be my guest speaker in the class uh, on our Tuesday class, February 23rd. Okay, so we'll deal with the First Americans were Africans and we'll deal with um, uh, some of his research and things like this. We'll deal with this in our Tuesday, February 23rd class. Okay. Uh, and so Tuesday, February 16th, we asked Sister Nubia Watford, and uh, we'll talk about ancient Kush and the African Queens, things like this. And then uh, Tuesday, February 23rd, we had Dr. David M. Hotel. All right. Okay. Uh, I, I want to go to, this is what we're going to do. Um, Shakita, we're going to go to uh, clip one, okay, because we have time before we go to the break. We have Sister Nubia coming on uh, after the break. And this is a good topic to deal with during African-American History Month as well. Uh, as I was talking to Sister Nubia before the show, you know, so many of these African-American History Month celebrations focus on slavery and runaway slaves and Dr. King and Rosa Parks and all that is important. But you have to understand a chronology of history also and, and, and understand our history beyond slavery and before slavery. OK. All right. So we're going to go to um, I want to go to clip one, uh, Shakita. So. We saw, I, I watched the impeachment trial. I knew what the outcome was going to be. I knew that you were going to have uh, some spineless Republicans who were, uh, who wanted to save their political careers or they were afraid of intimidation by some of uh, uh, Donald Trump's uh, thug supporters, the Proud Boys and things like this, right? So uh, we saw the uh, acquittal vote on Saturday. Uh, in the Senate, 57 to 43, we saw several Republicans switch over to uh, uh, convict Trump. Uh, I, I want to go to this clip here from uh, the, from the Today Show. Trump acquitted in second impeachment trial with seven Republicans uh, voting to convict. Let's go to this clip, Shakita. Twice tried, twice acquitted. And while that is not the outcome that Democrats had hoped for, the House managers believe they presented evidence and insight about the former president's role in the insurrection that achieves something important. No conviction, but a surprise in the verdict. This was the most bipartisan presidential impeachment in the history of the United States. Seven Republicans turned against Donald Trump and voted to convict him for inciting the insurrection. Mr. Romney, guilty. Ms. Collins, guilty. The abuse of power and betrayal of his oath by President Trump. Mr. Cassidy, guilty. The Constitution in our country is more important than any one person. I voted to convict President Trump because he is guilty. Late Saturday, President Biden released a statement remembering the riots' victims and those who stood guard. The president said, 
While the final vote did not lead to a conviction, the substance of the charge is not in dispute. But 43 Republicans stood by former President Trump. He is hereby acquitted of the charge. Mr. Trump's lawyers reacted much like he would. We tried a freaking really good case. A win is a win. Calls for fundraising by the Republican National Committee. Don Trump Jr.'s bravado on social media. With Republicans like Mitt Romney, who needs Democrats? You know, those clowns. And from Florida, the former president told supporters, I look forward to continuing our incredible journey together. But wait. A disgraceful, disgraceful election of duty. GOP leader Mitch McConnell, who voted not guilty, called Mr. Trump morally responsible for the insurrection, deadly violence, and failure to protect his own vice president and the Capitol. McConnell says he believes the Senate could not convict a former president, while suggesting criminal prosecutors should examine the facts. President Trump is still liable for everything he did while he was in office. Didn't get away with anything yet. Yeah. But frustrated Democrats insist they proved their case and Trump's culpability. The trial is over. The damage done that day is not. We believe that we have shown that this president is a disgrace to our country. Look at what Republicans have chosen to forgive. And since leaving office, of course, the former president has kept a very low profile. How long will that continue? As part of his written statement, he, he talked about his patriotic and beautiful MAGA movement and that there would be a time when he would announce his plan soon so they could continue their work together. It's only just begun, he writes. Now, some argue that that could mean that the president could use his considerable campaign war chest to campaign against some of those Republicans who voted against him. Willie? Kelly O'Donnell starting us off at the White House. Kelly, thanks so much. Okay, so that's from uh, the Today Show. That's from um, February 14th, Sunday, February 14th, 2021. Video acquitted in second impeachment trial with seven Republicans voting to convict. Uh, you can go to NBCnews.com. And uh, find that clip and also with uh, msnbc.com as well. All right, we're coming up on the break. On the other side of the break, we'll be joined by cultural anthropologist Sister Nubia Wartford, and we'll discuss uh, ancient Kush, the origins of ancient Kush, and we'll talk about uh, some African queens as well. You listen to the African History Network show right here on 19 AM Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Stand by, everybody. One commercial break. Stand by. All right, you can register for the online course. We posted the link, posted the link there. How's everybody doing? All right, how's everybody doing? Who we have here? Culture, we have John Ray. Visit workingwithjohnray.com, workingwithjohnray.com. Um, okay, stand by everybody on commercial break. How are you all doing today? Everybody share this broadcast on our social media, on your social media platforms, invite your friends to tune in also. 
Stand by. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Monday, February 15th, 2021, and we are live. All right, so um, you heard me talk about Sister Nubia Wardford a number of times. She is a cultural anthropologist. She is from Detroit with a Bachelor's of Arts degree in Anthropology and a Master's of Arts degree in Historic Archaeology. She has worked at major museums in the Detroit area, such as Wayne State University uh, Anthropology Museum, the Henry Ford Museum, the Detroit, Detroit Institute of Arts, and as a registrar, which is the caretaker of the collections at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. And she has uh, been to the Sudan a number of times to uh, do archaeological digs. And she is proud to be involved in her greatest endeavor, which is the research and excavations of ancient Nubia at the Isle of Moreau in the Sudan. In November of 2015, a large discovery was made at the field site in Sudan, where she has where she has previously excavated. And we'll talk about uh, talk a little bit about that discovery and some other things as well. I want to welcome back to the African History Network show, Sister Nubia Wardford. How are you doing today, Sister? I'm doing well. Thank you for inviting me back. All right. No problem. No problem. Well, look, you know, it's African-American History Month, and I know uh, I've been to some of your presentations. You have fantastic presentations dealing with uh, ancient Kush and dealing with the African queens and the Kandakis and things like that. So I, I reached out to you a few days ago. I said I wanted you to um, speak to my uh, Tuesday online class to share some of this information. And I wanted you bring. I wanted to bring you on today to the show, uh, so we can talk a little bit about the origins of ancient Kush and African queens of antiquity. So, for, first off, explain to people what K U S H uh, usually spelled. K U S H. Explain to people what is ancient Kush. Okay, so ancient Kush is a 
Ancient Kush is a land in Sudan. In this, in this um, region, it uh, predates ancient Kemet. Uh, it is the area, probably in the pervious area of the Hopi, known as the Nile River, um, between the third and fifth cataracts. And there are plenty and plenty of archaeological evidence that points this civilization can go back as far as 100,000 years old. Okay, so, okay, hold on. Okay, so you said there's plenty of evidence showing that civilization goes back a hundred, at least 100,000 years old? At least, probably older than that, but at least 100,000 years old. There's been human activity on the, um, on the banks of the Nile River. Um, they call it the Khartoumian culture, but they're also... Uh, the A groups in ancient Kush predate uh, ancient Kemet and this area. This goes farther back into antiquity than is known right now, but there's a lot of archaeological research there, and we will know much, much more in a few years. As the technology expands, we'll definitely know a little bit more about this civilization because it's still uh, quite mysterious. Okay. So when you talk about, so a, a lot of times when people talk about African history, they'll talk about ancient Egypt, ancient Kemet. But mm -hmm. what comes before it is oftentimes left out. Nubia, Ta-Nehisi, uh, um, Abyssinia, Ethiopia, things like this. So when we talk about Kush, are we talking about ancient Kush? Are we talking about a country or a region? We're talking about a region. Uh, the region of ancient Kush stretches back from the, what we call the, uh, what, would be the, the what would be north part of upper Kemet. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's that is upper Kemet because of the flow of the Nile River. But upper um, Kemet is what we would call ancient Kush, and it go and it flows down from that area, which is northward, and it goes down further south um, several miles, probably about uh, seventy to uh, two hundred and fifty miles further down that river, and so all of that area would be ancient Kush. Ancient Kush's tentacles stretch as far back, names being associated with it, all the way to. India as well as Turkey, which we know that ancient Egypt um, stretched out across the uh, Red Sea to uh, an area which was which is now known as Turkey, or uh, but we're not exactly sure. Historians don't exactly know exactly well uh, how far um, that it reached, and you know a lot of that is is just under investigation. I don't like to. Right. It was for sure, but we do know that there was an African presence in Asia. Right, right. So when you when you talk about uh, going going into Turkey and India, okay, so we're talking about ancient Kush being a region, not a country, and at one point extending into Turkey and, and India. Is that correct? Did I hear you correctly? Well, we know that there are, there are the seven gates of Kush that, uh, that are mentioned in Turkey, mm -hmm. and we also know that there is the, 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 the Kush mountains 
in uh, Hindu Kush mountains that are in India. So we do know that somehow culturally that there was a reach there. But as far as how significant um, its presence there, it's not exactly been, uh, you know, there's it, 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 no exactment on that. Okay. But we do know that there was a presence. Okay. Now, um, I know there was, uh, I have some articles dealing with uh, ancient Kush, one from blackpass.org, another from um, face-to-faceafrica.com, and they talk about uh, the kingdom of Kush uh, and its three major cities, Moro, Karma, and Napata, okay? Um, mm-hmm. Now, when we talk about usually, and I've been to some of your presentations, your presentations are fantastic. If you all ever get to go see one of Sister Nubia Wardford's uh, uh, visual presentation she does is fantastic, and then she also ties into she also ties the uh, history and the uh, you talk some about the uh, symbols in Christianity and like how they go back into ancient Egypt, ancient Kemet things like this as well. Um, when we talk about uh, Nubia or Tanahesi, like being the mother of ancient Egypt, ancient Kemet, okay, uh, and there's twice as many pyramids in the Sudan as there are in Egypt, okay? Talk about that relationship for me, please. The relationship is like a relationship of cousins. Um, cousins that sometimes feud with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been many times that they weren't friends, but they have re- reunited several times in history. The question is, when weren't um, the Kushite and the people from ancient Kemet uh, relating to each other because they related to each other all through their history. <clears throat> the queens, uh, the most famous queen in the 18th dynasty, of course, is Queen T, who comes from ancient Kush and was a commoner um, because of her brilliance. And she was a very intelligent girl, mathematician, and she became, became key in negotiations between ancient Kush as well as she did negotiations across the Mediterranean Sea. She did um, a lot of um, negotiations with the people in Asia, which we would call Arabic at this time. So she was a key negotiator, mathematician. This relationship um, also was present in the 12th um, dynasty with that family. Uh, we are finding out that Karaka Moon, uh, who is a Kushite priest living in the, in the, in the 20, I'm sorry, in the 25th Mm-hmm. Dynasty um, that that Anthony Browder yeah. is actually researching. So that that um, with Farakamun living from ancient Kush and living in uh, in Kemet as a priest, that tells you how important that culture was still in ancient Kemet because the relationships with the priests, with that culture being such a spiritual culture, uh, the priests were very important uh, a part of the ruling family and how they ruled very close um, to the connection of the Most High. And so the priest was a very powerful person. And, and the fact that the priest, the high priest came from um, Kush means that that relationship had not been broken. Right. Well, you know, uh, Browder's a mutual friend of ours, uh, Tony Browder, and I've interviewed him uh, a number of times. I've interviewed him about his uh, uh, excavation of the, uh, it was the, 
the uh, I can't remember it was the tomb or the site of uh, Kar- uh Karakamon. Yeah, the tomb of Karakamon. Yeah, and I read his book. He put out a book about that a few years ago. I read his book also, uh, dealing with that as well. So I got to reach out to Browder um, uh, again and get him back on the show. Okay, very so, significant work there. Yes, probably the largest um, black African American archaeological site in the world where African-Americans are volunteering. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the lead archaeologist on the site in, in, um, in Egypt. So it's a very, very, very important site. And it gives this relationship because what they're doing is recreating the burial grounds, which um, some of the significant burial grounds are Sedanga and uh, Nuri, um, the royal uh, burial ground in uh, Bejawia and Meroe. And then we have the... Uh, uh, the uh, El Karu. And so what um, Browder, the, the uh, people that are living in ancient Kemet, um, Browder is finding that they are actually going to, uh, to, to Kemet and recreating um, El Karu in Kemet, which is, is which means that they, they never forget. They never forget about their past. They build upon their past. Mm-hmm. You know, it... the, the, Queen that you just showed, though, mm-hmm. is one of my favorites, Monica Shito. Right, right. And I'm showing another queen named Sister Nubia Warford right now. But let's talk about Monica Shito. <laughs> I'm showing your website right now. <laughs> Nubia, so let me give you a website. Okay. Let me give you a web. Let me do this shameless plug for you. So visit her website, right. ancientnubiancities.com, ancientnubiancities.com. And right on, and you you can see uh, Sister Nubia uh, in the Sudan uh, doing an archaeological dig. You can read about her, read about the uh, excavations and things like that. And uh, so let's talk about Amanika Shito. So there was, uh, you know, and and I think I first found out about her from you uh, in some of our interviews that I've done with you over the years. And you know, I Google. Uh, so today I, I was pulling together this, uh, pulling together this segment of the show. And I'm working on another project. I, I'm doing a presentation for a corporation uh, tomorrow, and I'm working on that project. But I, I googled your name, and a lot of your stuff, a lot of references to you came from the African History Network show, right? <laughs> Going back right. To, to our Blog Talk Radio interview. But um, right. but Thank um, you. no, no problem. But Monica Shito, I think I first found out about her uh, from you. So tell us about uh, Monica Shito. Monica Shito was a very, very famous uh, queen. She was a very, I call this period, it was the 350-year period in ancient Kush that um, was ruled by queens. So I, I call this period the Queendom of Kush, yes. not the Kingdom of Kush, because these queens were ruling. Um, they venerated um, the goddess Offset, which is known as Isis. Mm-hmm. And so these queens ruled with a tough hand. Uh, the Kushite army, which was over 100,000 soldiers, would protect the area. The Roman army of Augustus Caesar was coming to uh, plan to sack uh, ancient Kush and steal all the gold. And so she, Monica Shido came, uh, and page 155, you'll see an African civilization book um, by Sheikh Anton Jobin. He tells this story when she rides into the encampment uh, on a couch, on a on a covered uh, plush couch, uh, in between two elephants, and she rides in, and and she tells Augustus Caesar, "You can ride in, but you won't ride back out." 
Right. And so her people stay. Um, his camp, she takes his, she uh, um, members his statue, beheads it, takes the head back, and she um, buries the head, his head in the threshold of her throne. So when she steps on her throne, she steps on his face every time, buried underneath. And then we covered uh, that butt from under where her, where her throne sat. There. I, I actually visited her uh, her spa, her sauna um, there in ancient Norway. The palace is still there. And the spot where her throne was. Her palace was the largest palace in the area. Her daughter inherits uh, the whole uh, the whole thing after she passes away and steps down. And Amineris is the queen that they call One-Eyed Candace, mm-hmm. who Strabo um, actually describes as being quite muscularly. And he said that, you know, she would, her strength would, could, could, uh, she would definitely, um, would be something to contend with in the battle. And she had one eye. Um, a scar on her eye was, uh, was thought that she, you know, because she would fight on the first, on the front line with the soldiers. She was actually out um, battling. So these women had a history of ruling not only with a strong uh, army, but they would be seen on the battlefield. Amani Kishido was known to be on the battlefield in, in you know, with her, with her, on, on, with her elephants. So, you know, she, they, they ruled, and they ruled very strongly. They protected their goal. They uh, built strong armies. Um, they protected their area. The inhabitants of the, of the Isle of Meroe was, was possibly over a half a million people. So she had a lot of people to protect. And, right. of course, the, 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 the valuable thing in ancient Kush was the gold, and a lot of people would come in the area looking for that. Okay, now... The term uh, Kandaki, uh, which is also pronounced Candace, uh, or oh, mispronounced Candace, but the term Kandaki, that, that means queen mother or queen regent. Is that correct? Yes. The Kandaki means queen mother or great mother or great woman. Okay. Um, depending on who is, you know, who's giving the definition of it. Okay. Now, um, when we look at uh, uh, is, is the correct pronunciation Meroe? Meroe. Meroe. Okay. M-E-R-O-E. Meroe. Uh, so the Kandakis of uh, Meroe were the queens of the kingdom of Kush. Uh, and they're going now, so Meroe is, is in what is now called the Sudan. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So, and, and, and what's... Meroe is in, is in Sudan. The reason why it's called the Isle of Meroe because it's in between the Adbar River and the Nile River, a tributary which runs a small river that runs off of the Nile River. And so we have the land that's in between that being called the Isle of Meroe. Okay. Um, and and what's, what I think is really important is to understand that, one, a lot of the most of the geographical demarcations or boundaries that exist today in Africa are the result of the Berlin Conference of 1884 and 1885. One, two, when you look at these, um, when we 
look at Kush as a region and um, as a as a region in general, as opposed to a country, and it encompasses these other kingdoms within it. Right? It's it's like we have to reorientate ourselves geographically to what was in antiquity, as opposed to looking at the boundaries, you know, that are there today, and, and how we look at it today, Sudan, and uh, you know, uh, because the lower portion of Egypt and the upper portion of Sudan in ancient time was basically Nubia, you know, so it's, it's like a total reorientation, I think, that we, many of us have to go through to understand what it looked like in antiquity, where these different kingdoms were. But what, what, are, we, what are your thoughts yeah. on that? I think, I think it's a lot of reorientation that has to be done. The antiquity of this civilization being um, the age of it, um, going back to more than 100,000 years, I think uh, that because of the way that the, that, that the people in antiquity arranged their, um, their land and where they lived, that's in direct relationship to the, to the Hopi, the Nile River, and that these people were in that, in that area for a significantly long time. And it goes further back in time. Probably will, will, the significance also is, is that this area probably is dated back, you know, let's stretch it further back to 300,000 years. And so... Which area? The, the whole, I'd say, the whole area, all the way going back to the origins of this area, which is to be the topic tomorrow. Mm-hmm. The origins of ancient Kush go all the way back as um, far south as India. Okay. Um, we do have DNA evidence from a couple of people that have gotten their DNA that actually they have um, Australia Aborigines, mm-hmm. who um, sometimes they... Uh, Say that the Aborigines. It depends on who you talk to. Said that they're just indigenous, indigenous of Australia. But many of um, the people in the area, specifically Fijians, say they're from Tanganyika, which is modern-day Tanzania. Right. So we think antiquity um, goes back as far as three hundred thousand years, probably before, because there was a fence for three hundred thousand years. So to get to that period where you're uh, the your technology has developed uh, to that point, you know, it takes tens of thousands of years as well. So right, it's right. going to be pushed further back. So, we'll, so you know, I'm, my theory is that um, they pretty much puddle jumped from all the different um, tributaries and rivers from the tip of Africa, followed them along, because remember that this area had much more water in it at that time. And so that these actually, if you look at a, a map of the rivers, you can just follow them from the southern tip all the way there. Um, my archaeological research and my degree, again, Michael, is I am, uh, I do archaeological research. Right. So even though I'm a, it's a, a branch of anthropology, I, I'm, I'm a holistic cultural scientist. Mm-hmm. So I, I do the anthropological work, I do the historical work, as well as I do... Uh, uh, oral history as well, and much of the oral history because that's our tradition is very very accurate uh, for that for that area. It, it matches the documentation 
um, very, very closely. So, uh, you know, archaeologists and historians typically um, in, in academia don't trust or don't um, say that, that oral history is credible. Well, I think it, it could be much more credible than, than, than thought. Um, right. Previously thought. Yeah, and, and I've learned. Ancient culture goes down. Originates oh. from that area. Right, and, and and I've learned. I've learned about. I learned a lot about the uh, oral traditions from you also in some of your presentations and some of our conversations, uh, because the oral traditions have to be incorporated. So when we study the history, it it, it can't just be the archaeological discoveries, the artifacts. It also has to be the, the, you also have to incorporate into that the oral traditions as well. Okay, so that's a... The oral traditions, the historical documentations, what do the people themselves say about themselves instead of what's interpreted? The, the good thing about ancient Kemet is that the people did write about themselves. Now, we, we think that some of it might have been a little bit you know, uh, pumped up a little bit, exaggerated, because the kings, um, you know, there were disputes with each other. They would leave different people out of history, and of course, they would sometimes, you know, just uh, kind of, kind of, uh, you know, kind of make themselves, you know, a little bit larger than they were, or embellish themselves a little bit. But the history of the country um, is is told by the by themselves, and right. what they. What the, what the ancestors said in all of the documentation, ancient Kish, Kush, ancient Kemet, is that they are from the south. The, the question is, how far south is south? <laughs> how far south is south? Okay, so when you, so are you talking about going into what we today call South Africa? You're talking about the southern tip of Africa the or? Africa. Okay. Mm -hmm. The southern tip of Africa, which we know we we recently uh, in the last three to five years, uh, they, there's a structure there that's, that's been dated back to 250,000 years. Mm -hmm. So there's also the structure in Botswana that's 300,000 years, and there's also in Botswana in Botswana. Botswana. Yeah. Um, that's, that's 300,000 300, years old, mm -hmm. and then. Um, through language, we know that Himalaya, uh, it says the Himalaya Kush, uh, uh, you know what I mean? We, we know that that means black killer, uh, you know what I mean? So I don't think, I think it, it, quite, it, it could, you know what I mean? It could be, and uh, this is something that we'd have to do more historical research, but I think it relates to the army. Um, the right. Kushite army, and that, that uh, you know, because it just relates. I mean, if you if you follow the cuisine, the food culture, the food culture mm -hmm. in India, the food culture in Ethiopia are very related. The, the yes. use of the curries, the way that it's cooked, it's very very related. And the people, in when the Greeks and the Romans came to that area, they called the people in this area. Um, Ethiopians, all of them. Mm -hmm. um, yep. the, the people from Ethiopia, and they also called them Indians. Sometimes you'll see that they call the people Indians. The, so pe the people were Indians. Sometimes they call the people. Sometimes the people. Sometimes they call they the call people were Indians. Indians. Okay, in Ethiopia. They call the people in ancient Kemet mm -hmm. and the people in, in, in ancient Kush the 
people in Eritrea, they call them Indians mm-hmm. because they 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 look similar to those people. Right. They're well, all black people. Right. Uh, you know, all kinds of the same kind of uh, facial structures, same kind of hair, everything. And so these people typically, you know, they were misnamed uh, Caucasians because many of them had straight hair. Right. There's no, everything comes from Africa. Right. Straight hair Great noses come from Africans. The aquiline features. Eyes come from Africans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's nothing that's created that you cannot find in the African race. And we should not, and, and remember the ancient Cushion, ancient uh, Kenneth was also a metropolis because this was one of the, this is the wealthiest area. It was the most beautiful area. Um, they had running water. They had indoor toilets. They mm-hmm. had bathrooms. They weren't throwing fecal matter out of the windows in these cultures. Like they were in Europe. And hygiene. And people that lived in other places in the world, the education was egalitarian for women and men. Um, the, the, the education for women is a tradition in its whole East region. Um, that's what, you know, because of the misfortune of Hypatia, because she was a daughter of a famous scholar and she became a scholar. Hypatia, yep. Because she was so charming, she was executed, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, we, we have these these traditions from ancient Kush and ancient Kemet that are present today with the education of men and women that have been followed uh, for the last 6,000 years, at least. Because wow. the head of the medical school was a sister. I forget her name at this time. The head of, head of the medical school in Egypt was a woman. Mm-hmm. So we... You know, uh, we, you know. Sometimes we look at the problems that uh, between men and women in Western society, and that black men have adopted some of these ill practices and the, and the illnesses of Western mm-hmm. culture, where women were highly respected in these cultures and thought as egalitarian. As we see Queen T, uh, who is represented in, when you first walk in the Cairo Museum in Egypt. Queen T greets you with her hand, with her arm around her husband, the same height, which means that he respected her as, as equal power next to him. And it's the first representation in, in history. Well, the Kushite region and the Kemetic region are walk hand in hand together, just like that as far as their respect for women. So the queens of ancient Kush were respected around the world, and those women were also part of the queen of queens, the empresses in that area, and the tradition um, still holds the day. If you know a woman from Sudan, you know a very proud woman, because they are very proud, they are very uh, articulate, and most of them are very highly educated in this tradition of 6,000 years old. This is a uh, picture that he's showing of Queen T, mm-hmm. uh, which her arm is, is wrapped around lovingly of her husband. I always kid and say, well, I'd love him a lot, too. He was only the richest man in the world, um, in Hotep. And <laughs> she's there, the same height, you know, represented um, right there. And we walk, walk into that Cairo Museum, mm-hmm. and the first thing you see is them sitting there, huge, large, you know, 50, 50 feet tall, at least. And it just shows their strength and their power. It's a very right. powerful image. And I believe they left these images for us to see for us so we would know who we are. 
Exactly. This is uh, uh, Queen T and her husband, Amenhotep III. Um, well, look, Sister Nubia, we, I, I, I kept you longer than I planned to, but you just kept going. So I just okay. let you kept going. I just, <laughs> I, said, I said, I'm not going to stop you because the sisters going to beat me up if I stop you. But, but, <laughs> we're, we're, but we're almost out of time here. So uh, very quickly, one, uh, uh, visit her website, ancient ancientnubiancities.com, ancientnubiancities.com. How can uh, you have a coloring book there? Uh, people can purchase your coloring book. How much is your coloring book? The coloring book there is eight dollars. It includes um, shipping and handling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's eight dollars. Um, it's two for fourteen dollars. Um, it can be shipped anywhere in the United States and the Caribbean islands. So I know that your show goes worldwide. So we yep. really know uh, where people are listening from. And I'm looking forward for tomorrow's class. Exactly. Um, give me 25 minutes. I wish I had a, a full 30 minutes. I mean, you can have 30 minutes, sister. We, we have two hours for the class, so take your time. I mean, you can have as much time as you want to. I have two hours for the class. So um, uh, very very quickly, uh, one, um, Ethi- uh, India was a colony of Ethiopia going back about 9,000 years ago. Okay? So, mm-hmm. so, so this is understanding that history. Also, I talked to Dr. David M. Hotel on Saturday. He told me to tell you hi. Okay? <laughs> And this, okay. <laughs> yep. Author of the first Americans were Africans documented evidence. His new book comes. He said it'll be out by the end of March 2021. Okay, so everybody, look, Sister Nubia Wardford is going to be our guest speaker at our online class Tuesday, February 16th. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Uh, you can register for it now. It's an eight-week online course. We do a thousands of years of history. It's a visual. Uh, it's visual. You can ask questions in the class through the live chat. All the sessions are recorded also, so if you miss it, you can go back and watch it over and over again. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register right there. It's regularly $130. on sale, $80. As soon as you register, you can watch the class on February 9th, and then there's a lot of there's bonus content also. February 23rd, Tuesday, February 23rd, our guest in the class is going to be Dr. David M. Hotel, author of the book, The First Americans Were Africans, Documented Evidence. All right, Sister Nubia Warford, look, we're out of time right here. So I'll talk to you tomorrow, Sister, okay? Thanks for coming on. Okay, then. Thank you. Thanks All right. Bye-bye. All right, peace. Okay, everybody. Everybody watching on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, and my YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotel. Keep watching. We'll go for a few more minutes. Uh, we're out of time here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation WFDF. Right now, it's correct. Wrong behavior is not over till we win. Stay tuned for Pastor Greg Davis. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. Peace. All right, everybody, stand by. Stand by. Stand by. Okay. All right. I ain't planning to keep Sister Nubia that long, but she's just, she was gone, so I'm just, hell, I'm going to let her talk, you know. So <laughs> that's a bad sister right there. Okay. I wanted to squeeze in this other story. So how's everybody doing? Uh, and I got I got a, a presentation to prepare for that I have to give tomorrow. So, so it's, I'll be up late. Um, how's everybody doing today? We posted a link here. You can register for the online course. And uh, I, I wanted to talk about this other story. So we talked about the impeachment. We talked a little bit about that. Um, I, I want to go to this other clip um, uh, dealing with impeachment. But first, we'll, I want to deal with this story here. This deals with uh, an ancient beer factory unearthed by archaeologists, an ancient beer factory unearthed by archaeologists, okay? Now, as I talked about before, and if you see any of my presentations, 
uh, you hear me say the deeper they dig, the blacker the planet gets, the more research they do, the older we get. Okay, the deeper they dig, the blacker the planet gets, the more research they do, the older we get. And these type of ar- these archaeological discoveries, I mean, they, they happen, you hear, read about them every, every month, sometimes every other week. And um, I saw them talk about it, it was maybe for about 30 seconds on MSNBC. But uh, all the news outlets have an article dealing with this, okay? So uh, I'm going to talk about this story here. Uh, Ancient beer factory unearthed by archaeologists in Egypt. And this story came out, um, February, uh, this story came out Saturday, February 14th. Saturday, February 14th. The deeper they dig, the blacker the planet gets, the more research they do, the older we get. And you, and you hear Sister Nubia talking about civilizations going back 100,000 years ago, like in, in Kush, and uh, their, their discoveries that show Homo sapiens, uh, mag, uh, Homo sapiens in Africa going back, uh, uh, they found them in uh, Morocco, if I remember correctly, uh, 300,000 to 350,000 years ago. This is a discovery from June of 2017. This, this is one of the archaeological discoveries I talk about in the course, in the online course. So when these new discoveries take place, they keep having to push the timelines back, right? You remember Juvenile had the song back in like 1999, uh, back that thing up. Cash money records taking over for the nine nine and the two thousand. Remember, back that thing up. When these when these new discoveries come out, they keep having to push the timelines back. They keep having to back that thing up. All right. So uh, Egypt has announced dozens of ancient discoveries in the past couple of years in the hope of attracting more tourists. Ancient beer factory unearthed by archaeologists in Egypt. Okay, so it, it talks about how American and Egyptian archaeologists have unearthed what could be the oldest known beer factory at one of the most prominent archaeological sites of ancient Egypt, a top antiquities official said Saturday. Okay, Mustafa uh, Waziri, Secretary General of the Supreme Council of Antiquities, said the factory was found in Abydos, an ancient burial ground located in the desert west of the Nile River, over 280 miles south of Cairo. Now, he said um, he, he said the factory apparently dates back to the region of King Narmer, OK, also known as uh, Amos. So you're talking about going back to the first dynasty. OK, King Narmer, who is widely known for his unification of ancient Egypt, ancient Kemet. OK, unifying upper and lower Kemet at the beginning of the first dynastic period, 3150 B.C. to 2613 B.C. During that period of time, okay. So, this time, I mean, now this is something that we should be discussing during African American History Month. This is something we should be discussing during African American History Month. No, so I, I, I understand we're going to talk about runaway slaves, and I, I understand we're going to talk about we work from can't see morning to can't see night. I, yeah, okay, I, all right. But it's like <laughs> sometimes the limitations that we operate within are fictitious. Sometimes the, uh, you know, Professor Kaba Kamene 
one day he said uh, he I, I, he was talking. It was myself and Dr. Ray Higgins, and Professor Kaba Hiawatha Kamene said that African people are like whales and goldfish bowls. We're like whales and goldfish bowls. Our potential is much bigger than the constraints that we are put within, that we operate within. And these are like constraints on our minds. So, you know, you, you hear me say that when we have these African-American History Month celebrations, we don't have to just keep recycling the same 15 to 20 sanitized Negroes every year. Yes, it's important to study about them, but we, we put these constraints on the information that we deal with in these celebrations. And we just operate within the, the circumference of slavery or 1619 up until now. Okay. These are the types of things also that we need to deal with during these, uh, during this monthly cultural celebration. So I want to, I want to play this clip here from, uh, play the audio of this clip from the story from uh, NBC. Let me see. Should have audio. Um, I thought this one had audio. Okay, these. Okay, let me see here. There's one with audio. We'll go to that one just a second here. So, archaeological uh, archaeologists at the Saqqara site near Cairo have unearthed. Have uncovered dozens more uh, sarcophagi, uh, some with mummies inside, dating back to ancient Egypt. Uh, there was there was one clip I was trying to find. Maybe that's not. Uh, maybe that's not it. We'll, uh, I'll try to I'll try to locate it here in just a second. But in addition to dealing with slavery and um, you know, uh, 1619 and things like that. In addition to that, information like this that comes out all the time, this is information that we want to incorporate into uh, the discussion as well. Let me see here. I think this is, um, I think this is one. Just one second here. Okay, we'll get that queued up. All right. Let's look at the uh, article some more here. Okay, so archaeologists found eight huge units. Each is about 65 feet long and eight feet wide. Each unit includes 40 pottery basins in two rows which had been used to heat up a mixture of grains and water to produce beer. Okay. Uh, let's see. All right, let's continue here. I was trying to find the clip I was looking for, but uh, we'll continue. All right, so the joint mission is co-chaired by Dr. 
uh, the, the joint mission is co-chaired by Dr. Matthew Adams of the Institute of Fine Arts in New York. Uh, this information is, is hidden. Sometimes it is, but a lot of times it isn't. You just have to know where to look for it. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pull up a... I think I, I'm still trying to transfer information over to the new laptop so i'm gonna pull up a picture of the judgment scene and when you read now about the contributions to civilization by tony browder uh browder has it in there as well but let's uh do this here let's uh bring this up here Okay. I want to get a good picture of it here for you. So, pull this up here. All right, let's uh, flip over and try to look and show you this here. Okay, so this is uh, from ancient Kemet, the judgment scene. When you read now about the contributions of civilization, if you read some of Dr. Ben's books like Black Man of the Nile and his family, I think he has the judgment scene in there. I have a copy of that. I read that like 20 years ago. Um, so you'll see a Tsar sitting here on the throne, throne of judgment, a Tsar who the Greeks called Osiris. You'll see... Um, uh, the, 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 the scale of Ma'at, okay? You'll see the devourer here. If your heart, if you lived your life correctly based upon the 42 admonitions of Ma'at, uh, which is the precursor to the Ten Commandments, then your heart would be lighter than a feather. They judge, they judge, they put your heart on the scale and judge your heart, which is the essence of your soul, against the feather of Ma'at and Ma'at was a winged deity in ancient Kemet that was the personification of truth, justice, righteousness, balance, harmony, order, and reciprocity, the seven virtues of Ma'at. Okay. So, uh, if you lived your life correctly, then you will go into the afterlife. You have Anpu or Anubis, the jackal headed netter, uh, that and see the, the jackal, not to make this too deep, but um, when you see the deities, they oftentimes have characteristics of an animal. They're incorporating nature because they understand they, it's an appreciation of the gifts that the creator has given to various animals. So the jackal has a very keen sense of judgment, keen sense of smell and taste, which is a higher sense than humans. So you have Anpu or Anubis who balances the scales because it takes a keen sense of judgment to be able to do that. You have uh, Dehuti or Thoth that, rec that records the record of what happens, okay? 
And when you look at um, Now Valley Contributions to Civilization by Tony Browder, he talks about the hootie in there, and he, and he talks about how, uh, I think it's page 95, they show the they show the how the deities in ancient Kemet influenced the deities amongst the Greeks and influences the deities amongst amongst the Romans. All right. Um, so just to make a long story short, but but check this out. This is the judgment scene. Okay, this is a, 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 a depiction of it here. But this is what they're talking about. So you can look at these articles. You can look at these articles here. That it's just stuff that's in the news. And it connects you back to ancient Africa. Okay. It connects you back to ancient Africa. So if we go back and look at the, uh, the beer. The story about beer. But it's found in ancient Egypt. 5,000 years old. Okay. If we go back and look at that story. This is NBC News. This is it's not conspiracy theory stuff. This is not far fetched anything. All the news outlets reported on this discovery. All you have to do is Google it. All the news outlets reported on this. All right. So they're talking about Osiris. And then this. So then when you study. Asar Aset and Heru. Who the Greeks call. Osiris, Isis and Horus. Then that gets into Heru being born of a virgin birth on December 25th to Offset, the virgin, who the Greeks called Isis. All, all of this is connected. Okay, all of this is connected. Uh, let me pull up. Um, these are some of the things I deal with in the online course also. I want to show you a picture of uh, Offset, the, the first holy trinity, I saw or set in Heru. Now, what I say may go outside the circumference of some people's awareness. What I say may go outside the circumference of some people's awareness. Just because you never heard it before, disagree with it, or don't like it, does not mean it's not true. It just means you have to do some research to understand what I'm talking about. But this is but but when you when you when you deal with Christianity in the car rest. Commenting spirit rest meaning to rise, the car rest, the rising of the spirit. Okay. Christianity, look, you're dealing with a retelling of story of many stories coming out of ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt, Sumer, Mesopotamia. You're dealing with a retelling of these stories. So this is Asar Aset and Heru, who the Greeks called Osiris, Isis, and Horus. Asar is in the middle. Okay, this is Heru with the falcon head. Now, when you look at the, the, so Heru born on uh, of a virgin birth on December 25th. Now, when you look at some pictures of some depictions, because it wasn't a picture, it was a, a painting, because they didn't have photographic cameras back then. When you look at, uh, I'm about to, I'm about to, I may really go outside the circumference of some people's awareness. When you look at paintings, of Jesus or Yeshua because the letter J wasn't created to 1638 AD. So if you look up the word Jesus in the dictionary, look at the etymology of the word, it takes you back to Yeshua. Okay. 
the Hebrew Yeshua. The letter J didn't exist back then. So his mama ain't call him Jesus because there was no letter J. You see some depictions of Jesus with a dove over his head, right? And you see Heru with a falcon's head. Because what they did was, as, as it gets reinterpreted into Christianity and it goes through its various forms, because early Christianity is look different than Christianity today. The Christianity that we deal with today largely is the result of the 21 ecumenical councils that took place from 325 AD to with the first council of Nicaea, 325 AD to about 1870. And the and them determining what's going to be taken out of the Bible, what's going to be practiced, how it's going to be practiced, how people pray, whether they pray standing up, whether they pray kneeling, when Easter is going to be celebrated, because that, that was one of the um, results of the Third Council of Trent of 1563, determining when Easter is going to be celebrated and how to calculate that, because coming out of that Third Council of Trent, that's when you get the creation of the Gregorian calendar introduced in 1582, uh, named after Pope Gregory the 13th, which is the calendar we use today. And it's based upon how long it takes the earth to rotate around the sun counterclockwise, 365 days, five hours, 48 minutes, and about 46 seconds. That calendar is the result of the Third Council of Trent, 1563 AD. So you have to understand, so to understand Christianity, okay, and we look at the, uh, the Helios, the Holy Bible or Helios Biblos, the sun book. Go to the dictionary and look up the etymology of the word Holy Bible. Right? So, if you, to understand the existence of something, you must understand the pre-existence of existence. I can take you from the Helios Biblos straight back to ancient Africa. Straight back to the Nile Valley region of Africa. If you read, uh, not just, not just Nile Valley contributions of civilization, not just that one, but you read. Now, here's what happened. I ain't get to bed at six in the morning. I was cleaning up and rearranging stuff, and I can't find anything. Hold on. <laughs> you, um, you read Christianity Before Christ, but Dr. John G. Jackson. Hold on. I can't find nothing now. Christianity before Christ. Okay, I think I put the stuff over here. So now I gotta I have to rearrange stuff back so I can find it. Uh, all right, Christianity before Christ. I'm trying to make this short. Christianity before Christ by Dr. John G. Jackson. Uh, the world's 16 crucified saviors by Kersey Graves. You start seeing traces. What happens is you start seeing traces of this taking you right back to ancient Kemet, right back to ancient Africa. All right, let me see something here. Let's look at this. Uh, what we have next? Oh, this right here. Oh, this this, this tells it all right here. <laughs> this tells it all right here. Okay, so when I was a kid, 1970s, 
I used to get up Saturday morning and I used to watch Saturday morning cartoons and Saturday morning TV shows, right? So there was this TV show. They had the Shazam and ISIS hour on CBS Saturday mornings, 1970s. I still have comic books from the 1970s that show the Shazam and ISIS hour, okay? And they show, um, let me see. They show uh, this white woman as ISIS. And this is on a Saturday morning cartoon. And they and when you watch it, uh, a few years ago, I was watching episodes. It's called The Secrets of ISIS. Let me blow this up. It's called The Secrets of ISIS. That's the name of the TV show from the 1970s. The Secrets of ISIS came on CBS. It was like 11 a.m., 11.30 a.m. They showed it was the Shazam and ISIS hour. At the beginning of the show, they had episodes of, of Hulu. They had episodes on Hulu of the secrets of ISIS that may still be there. When, when I was going back, I was a few years ago, I was watching it. And at the beginning of the show, they talk about how she got her powers from ancient Egypt. And they start naming, they start naming Egyptian queens. They talk about Hatshepsut and th different things like this. I'm like, I'll be damned. But what happened was they put this into a, a, a Saturday morning TV show. But then they have a white woman portraying ISIS. And they say she got her powers from ancient Egypt, but they ain't say that the ancient Egyptians were Africans. Because I remember watching this in the 70s. And, you know, my friends are watching things like this. But we were never told that ISIS was an African woman. <laughs> so this is the DVD. This is the cover of the complete box DVD box set series, The Secrets of ISIS. So she is a copy of Osset, who was a virgin, husband of Asar, Osiris, who gives birth to Heru, who the Greeks call Horus, on December 25th, a virgin birth. Then, if you look at the, all of this is connected. You look at the constellation of Virgo in the Zodiac, the constellation of Virgo. Virgo in Latin means virgin. In ancient times, that constellation was of Osset, who the Greeks call Isis. All of this is connected. You just have to understand the chronology of history. Okay, so you so what happens because I have a background in marketing and media as well as history, what I like to do is take elements from media that you see right in front of your face because the truth is right in front of your face you just have to understand how to decode the messages how to decode the symbols okay this is why i said uh, like last week i said you have to get a symbols encyclopedia or a symbols dictionary i have a symbols dictionary that decodes like two thousand symbols from around the world the the truth is right in front of our faces but we have to understand the pre-existence of existence to understand what we're seeing we look at the article from um, NBC News. This ain't conspiracy theory stuff. This is not hocus pocus. Okay? We look at the article from NBC News. They're talking about an uh, 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 ancient brewery in ancient Egypt 5,000 years ago. Oldest brewery 
that's known to man. Okay? And right in the article, they talk about Osiris and deities from ancient Kemet, things like this. British archaeologists were the first to mention the existence of the factory in the early 1900s, but they couldn't determine its location, the Antiquities Ministry said. With its vast cemeteries and temples from the earliest times of ancient Egypt, Abydos was known for monuments honoring Osiris, ancient Egypt's god or netter of the underworld, and, a, and the deity responsible for judging the souls in the afterlife. It's just right there. Now, what it'd be good to do is, I ain't trying to get anybody in trouble, show this to your pastors. <laughs> show this to your ministers. Have a conversation about the origins of Christianity and how it takes you back to ancient Kim and ancient Egypt. The necropolis had been used in every period of early Egyptian history from the prehistoric age to Roman times. Egypt has announced dozens of ancient discoveries in the past couple of years in the hope of attracting more tourists. But when these discoveries take place, we should, we should be having discussions here about the discoveries and understanding how all this is connected and putting this into a timeline of history that then leads into leads up to the, the Moors going into Europe because the Moors are taking the teachings from the Nile Valley region of Africa, from ancient Kennedy, into Europe to bring Europe out of the Dark Ages. And that's when every all this stuff gets flipped around. During that period of time, that 800-year that period of time, all that stuff gets flipped around is going to lead to the transatlantic slave trade. The tourism industry been reeling from the political turmoil, turmoil following the 2011 popular uprising that toppled longtime autocrat Hosni, Hosni Mubarak. The sector was also dealt a further blow last year by the coronavirus pandemic. Of course it was. But read this article and, and, and all the outlets got have stories on this. See, this is, this is what I'm saying. This is not hidden. And uh, we posted, this was the first story I saw about this. Face-to-Face -face Africa has one. All the news outlets have it. National Geographic, all that stuff. Okay, now, this is a, um, I found a news story, okay. Archaeologists in Egypt unearthed ancient beer factory in Abydos. This is from 9news.com. Uh, up here this was one clip that was playing all right how's everybody doing all right and if you all like this type of information also be sure to register for my online course ancient kemet the moors and the maafa understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school let me back this up untouched area in Giza. The walls of the 10-metre-long tomb are covered with colourful carvings and statues that have stunned experts due to their near-perfect condition. It's hoped they will find more treasures they continue to search the site in the coming months. So there's going to be more coming out about that as well, about this discovery.
Let me post this article here from uh, 9news.com also for you to check out. But yeah, the, the deeper they dig, the blacker the planet gets, the more research they do, the older we get. Um, let me see. I want to share this quickly. Okay, and then remember, Sister Nubia Waterford would be our uh, guest speaker for our class Tuesday, February 16th, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you miss any of it, you can go back and watch it over and over again. Uh, once you register for the class, uh, you can watch them as many times as you want to. Watch them around the world. And Tuesday, February 23rd, our guest speaker would be Dr. David M. Hotep, author of the book, The First Americans Were Africans, Documented Evidence. Okay, now, uh, there was one other thing I wanted to show. Um, it was, I did that, and then, do I have it in here? I'm not sure if I have it in this one here. Um, on, on yesterday's show... Sunday show, I talked about the term Africa and how the term Africa is not, Africa is not named after a Roman general named Publius Cornelius Scipio Africanus. It's the other way around. Africanus, Publius Cornelius Scipio took his surname Africanus from the territory he was conquering, from the territory he conquered. It's named after the Afri who are a group of black African people in Algeria and Tunisia. Tunisia used to be called Carthage. This is dealing with the Punic Wars. I referenced Cassell's Latin English Dictionary, 2002 edition, because this is something I talk about in the, in the class. I had to find the slide. Uh, and I'm still trying to get reorient, reorient, re reorientated because I'm still transferring information over from old laptops and external hard drives to this new laptop. Uh, 2002 edition, Cassell's Latin English Dictionary, page 11, in the entry four of fear, and that's why I have it highlighted here, tells you, uh, defines Africanus, Africanus, African belonging to Africa. Okay, this is what Africanus means, belonging to Africa, or it could mean of Africa as a surname conferred upon two of the Scipios, as a surname conferred upon two of the Scipios, okay? Africanus means belonging to Africa. His family's last name was Scipio, not Africanus. Okay, so hopefully we'll stop spreading this nonsense around that Africa was named after a Roman general. No. Also, Willie Lynch never historically existed. The two fairy doesn't exist either. Oops, I may mean, I should say that for kids. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, Willie Lynch never historically existed either, okay? This is put all, put all those myths, myths to rest. Uh, I, I wanted to play this last clip, okay? We posted the information there for the uh, online class. I wanted to play this last clip. This deals with uh, going back to the impeachment trial. This is Delegate Stacy Plaskett. And this is a bad sister right here. Uh, Stacy Plaskett, who represents the U.S. Virgin Islands. Okay, now, as I said before, uh, as I said last week, the U.S. Virgin Islands are a U.S. territory. Uh, so it's not a state. So 
she does not get a she represents them, but she does not get a vote uh, in the in the House when it came to the impeachment to vote to impeach Trump in the House because uh, she's a delegate. She does not get a vote. All right. Um, but I want to go to this clip here. This is from um, the readout with Joanne Reed and Stacy Plaskett is talking about uh she's asked a question about witnesses okay why didn't you all have witnesses well why you more witnesses whatever okay and i want to go to this clip here because uh she uh she's correct with this let's go to this clip i'm still liable for everything he did while he was in office as an ordinary citizen didn't get away with anything. Yeah. Joining me now is impeachment manager Stacey Plaskett, Democrat of the U.S. Virgin Islands. I, I, I have my own thoughts, but I want to turn to you to find out, uh, Representative Plaskett, how does it feel as somebody who helped make this case and did a fantastic job, by the way? I think everyone believes you acquitted yourself very well, and all of the impeachment managers did. To listen to that guy, Mitch McConnell, who voted to acquit, who then describes basically the same case that you all were making, and basically makes it sound like, well, he thinks Trump is guilty. And said, oh, I would have considered maybe voting to acquit, but this is all irrelevant. How do you feel hearing him stand up there and essentially morph into Jamie Raskin? Well, I'm not allowed to say exactly what I think on, on TV. Um, but what I will say is that he just gave our opening statement and our closing statement. He said what we said was that the president, over a period of protracted time, perpetrated a big lie. We got his face angry. He knew who these people were. He perpetuated their anger and their violence and then directed it at the Capitol for his own purposes to try and retain power and to destroy our democracy. Mitch McConnell said it all. That's exactly what happened. That's what we proved. And he, what is most infuriating is that he says he is not convicting him because of a jurisdictional issue, one that was settled at the beginning of the trial. We had constitutional discussions by a constitutional professor, Jamie Raskin, along with other evidence that we put into, uh, we put other opinions from the left and the right that we put into evidence that said that this is not a question about having the ability to impeach a former president. But on top of that, the reason the impeachment articles were not walked over before January 20th is because Mitch McConnell was the majority leader at the time and would not receive them. All right. So so because Mitch McConnell said the earliest that the impeachment trial would take place would be January 19th, which was the day before the inauguration, because McConnell was still in charge of the Senate. So you can't say it was a jurisdictional issue or uh, he's not president anymore, so he can't be impeached. You can't make that argument because you were the one that delayed the Senate trial for impeachment because McConnell was in charge of the Senate. You can't say it's a constitutional issue because you can't remove a president once he's out of office 
Because one, the U.S. Senate, based upon the U.S. Constitution, has control over all impeachment trials. And the U.S. Senate makes the rules, and the U.S. Senate, they voted that it was constitutional to hold a trial. So you can't say it's not constitutional when the Senate decided it was constitutional. One. Two, the impeach the, the vote on the one article of impeachment for inciting the insurrection took place in the House of Representatives while Trump was still in office. So you can't, on the one hand, have the first process of the impeachment take place in the House while the president is still in office, but then have the Senate trial delayed, the impeachment Senate trial delayed, and then say, well, you can't hold the impeachment trial now because he's out of office. But the article of impeachment was voted on while he was still in office. So now you, and they, so there were seven brave Republicans that voted to uh, impeach Trump. Senator Bill Cassidy was one of them. And they're getting backlash. He was censured uh, in his home state of Louisiana. So Trump is facing. Um, well, one, this is a, all those 43 traitors. That voted to acquit Trump. And they're lying. They want to say it's because it's not constitutional. Yes, it is. You voted and ruled it was constitutional in the Senate. And then there's also precedents. Uh, William Bet- uh, Bel- uh, Belknap, former Secretary of War, 18, uh, 1876. So there's a precedence for this, who was impeached after he resigned from office. So what you have are a lot of spineless, traitorous Republicans who have to be voted out of office, who have blood on their hands. Because you, you have to remember, going back to early February 2020, they had a chance to remove Trump from office, and they were too cowardly to do this. They wanted to save their political re- careers. They were afraid of death threats they were getting and all different types of things like that. If you're going to acquiesce, if you're going to violate your oath to defend the Constitution against enemies both foreign and domestic, if you're going to acquiesce, then you should resign from office. If you're getting death threats, things like this, contact the FBI, contact the U.S. Capitol Police. But if you're going to be a traitor, you should resign from office. So, consequently, because they didn't remove Trump from office in early February 2020, you have hundreds of thousands of people who have died from coronavirus because he mishandled the coronavirus pandemic. If they had removed Trump from office, they could have saved hundreds of thousands of people's lives, at least tens of thousands of people's lives, probably hundred thousands of people's lives, because we have close to 470,000 people dead now. This is an example of how elections have consequences. This is an example of how elections have consequences. So as I said numerous times before, in 2016, when Donald Trump asked African Americans what the hell do you have to lose, the correct answer was everything. 
All right. So look, we're going to get out of here. That's going to do it for us. Uh, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, and uh, register for our online course uh, right on the homepage. We have the information there when you go to um, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We'll show it to you. Uh, and also you can listen to podcasts uh, of our shows as well. We have audio podcasts. We have the podcast uh, on Facebook and YouTube. Go to our website, scroll down, and you'll see the information about the radio show. Uh, let's click here to listen to audio podcasts. Click here to read articles by Michael M. Hotel. Information for the online course. Click here to register here. Takes you to the next page. Scroll down and right here. Click on enroll. Okay. So it's regularly $130 on sale, $80. As soon as you register, you can watch a uh, class from uh, February 9th. We had a good class. We ended up doing two and a half hours for our February 9th class. All right. And we'll see you in class uh, Tuesday, February 16th. All right. Look, we have to get out of here. Remember, at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over until we win. Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. Peace. <laughs>